What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Good morning. All of our guests that we have with us this morning. Good morning. Welcome with us. Uh, early morning hours. We hit the 9 a.m. Praise the Lord. You know, though, we found out here just what was the last week bread of the week before that on Pentecost, when all that mess started happening, when they started, you know, praying in tongues in the upper room and all that stuff, that was at 9 a.m. Isn't that interesting? I was like, oh, look cool. So we're here at 9 a.m. early. Welcome with us. Those of you tuning with us online today, welcome. We thank you so much for joining with us online. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church here in Jackson, Missouri. We thank you for tuning with us online this morning. And what we want to do is invite you to come down and join us in person next time so that we can pray with you. For whatever needs you may have going on in your life, we meet here at 1225 Old Cape Road, Jackson, Missouri, at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings and 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights. So we hope that you will make plans to join us. Those of you here, welcome. Good morning. Got a good-looking group out here this morning. I know we, you know, this is the third week in a row we've had baptism services, so I'm excited. So uh, over the last few weeks, we've baptized eight people after today. We have baptized eight people in the last few weeks, and I always get excited when it comes to baptizing people. Amen? I love, we usually have it one Sunday a year on a end of August, but you know, this year God decided to do it different, so we may just end up having to get a cattle trough or something, Brett, so we can baptize people as they come in and want to be baptized. So, uh, But uh, welcome back. I'm going to be starting a brand new series today called Light It Up. And if you've been in this society anytime, you know that when a room is dead, people walk in, let's light this place up, right? Well, that's what we're called to do as children of God is to light this world up because that's what we're called to be is the light in a dark and fallen world. How many of y'all knew that? Amen. A couple of you out there. Awesome. The rest of you, well, we'll see what happens at the end of the service. All right. So uh, did you notice the definition of darkness? The very beginning of that video. Partial or total absence of light. Hmm. Sound familiar? And then it just said plain evil or wickedness. But there's another definition I want y'all to hear, and it's the definition of the word light. So we're talking opposite of darkness. Let's talk about light for a second. Here is what the online dictionary, wherever I found this years ago, was at. The definition is the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. That sounds like the church to me, right? Man, I'm getting no amens this morning. Y'all got to wake up with me this morning. The natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. God calls us to be the light of the world. So we're supposed to be here making things visible, stimulating sight, so that this dark and fallen world, all the blind people walking around, into each other and wherever walls, whatever they're walking into. 
We're that light that shines in the room. But also, the second definition it gave was understanding a problem or mystery. Enlightenment. Sounds like the church too, doesn't it? Amen. Thank you. Awesome. Yes, I love it. Understanding a problem or a mystery. Enlightenment. We're getting enlightened on some things, right? So in this world, we're to be that as well as we're called to be the like. Anybody ever been walking? See, in my house, well, you know I got kids. Most of you probably already met them because they're the rambunctious ones that are running around. But uh, I got kids, and we keep nightlights in my house all over the place. Not because I'm scared of the dark, but because when I'm walking through the hallway at night to maybe get a drink of water or something, I don't want to step on a Hot Wheel. Anybody ever been walking at night? Okay, I'm going to get y'all to relate with me here. Walking through your house in the dark at night, you didn't have your nightlight on maybe, and your little toe comes into contact with something in the room. And at that moment, you go into a praise session speaking in tongues that you never thought was possible, right? Amen? Okay, so i got to wake up this morning. Wake up with me this morning. Nobody's ever had it where you, maybe it wasn't your little toe. Maybe it was your big toe. Oh, the little toe always seems to hurt the worst. Anybody ever felt that? When you kick your little toe, you're oh, when you feel like you're limping all over the house. Well, that's why we need a nightlight. Amen. So if I'm going to get a glass of water in the middle of the night, one, my toe doesn't hit the wall, and two, I can watch for toys because I got a six-year-old, and he loves his toys, and they're usually everywhere. And there's always that one that dad has to pick them up. Come on, y'all ever been there? Pick up your toys before you go to bed. There's at least one usually that got left, and that's another reason I wear slippers in my house. Because I don't want my foot coming into contact with anything sharp or that might hurt me. Anyway, let's get back on track here. So how many of y'all know that light, we're going to talk about light a little bit as we get into today's message. Because if God is the light, let's just understand something about natural light. In a natural light, it takes sunlight about an average of 8 minutes and 17 seconds to travel the average distance to the earth from the sun. Now why is that impressive? Well, if you look at the speed of light, the speed of light is approximately 186,000 miles per second. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. That's fast, right? So when you're watching Star Wars, or in Brett's case, Trek, Star Trek, and they're talking about going to warp or light speed, they're talking about 186,000 miles per second. Well, let me break that down a little further for you. That means light moves at the speed of 671 million miles per hour. Wow, right? And it takes 8 minutes and 17 seconds for the sun's light to reach us. Well, why is that impressive? Because I serve a big God. The same God, now check it, it gets better. The nearest star from here, some of y'all might have took astronomy already and you understand this stuff. The nearest star from here is about 4.2 light years. Now when I say light year, I'm talking about the average time it takes the speed of light to travel in a single year. So we're talking a long way out there, amen? Now how these scientists come up with this stuff, either they got a really good satellite or they're making some predictions, right? It is about 25,000 light years to the nearest galaxy. 
100,000 light years across the Milky Way galaxy that we live in and 46.5 billion or 46 billion 500 million years from Earth to the edge of the known observable universe. How many of y'all know just in our time we won't be living that long? So what does that tell me this morning? That tells me I serve a big God. And I've actually watched a video of them kind of giving like a 10-minute demonstration of how the light speed travels. And as you get out and you get to this 46.5 billion light years out, it starts to look like a web all netted together. And at that point, those little white dots you're seeing, those aren't stars. Those are galaxies that are out there. And you, you, we just talked about how big the Milky Way was, right? And that's one of the smaller galaxies. Let's just be real. So everything that's out there, and we know it's continually expanding. Isn't that amazing? It's because God said, let there be light. He didn't say, let there stop. God said, let there be, and he's still creating. Amen? Some of y'all need to be thankful today. God's still creating in your life. He's still giving you direction. He's still taking you places. Some people have lost their way completely. But if you've got Jesus... You've got hope. We're celebrating that decision on a couple today out at the lake. But everything that big, but also down to the smallest atom. Smallest, and God is in control of all of that. Isn't that not amazing? We won't go any further on that because I could, there was some interesting stuff I read up and talked on that. But let's just get to our key passage this morning. The key passage for this series is going to be a three-week series. We're going to be talking about light it up. 1 John 1, 5 to 7. Here's our key passage. I'll be reading out of the NIV. If you've got a Bible, you can follow along up here. If not, if you're online, well, just listen good. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. I didn't say it. The Bible said that. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Some translations say from all unrighteousness. So this didn't say God is a form of light. God doesn't produce light. It said God is light. And in God, you saw the video at the beginning, in God there is no darkness at all. How do we know if someone's truly living for God? Well, this is how much darkness is in their life. How much light's coming out of their life? How much light are they reflecting Today we're going to be talking about obedience. It's going to be the first thing we talk about in this series. Obedience. This week, so the definition of obedience is compliance with an order, request, or law, or submission to another's authority. Well, obviously in this series we're talking about submitting to God's authority, complying with his order, his request, his law, or submission. Now you can try following man's authority, but it's not going to take you very far. You're going to have to learn how to follow God's authority and God's light in order to see in the darkness. Amen? If we look out at this world right now, we see a lot of darkness, but can I tell you something? This is going to shock some people. There's a lot of good happening in this world right now, too. 
a lot of amazing things. God's doing, we're seeing miracles, signs, wonders, people being brought back from the dead. Here at Cross Connection last year, we had blind eyes, deaf ears open, right, Nate? And he's the one on the front row up here. We've had miracle signs, wonders. We've seen people being raised from the dead again. These are all things we see in the book of Acts. But you know what? Your media is not going to talk about it. They're the false prophets of this generation. They're the ones trying to convince you that this world is terrible. You need to hate, well, in some cases, America. I don't agree with that, by the way. I love America, and I love this country. I love the freedoms we celebrate in America. But God's been moving. But you can always expect when God moves, the enemy to try to make a move as well. We've got several people in here out this morning because they're sick. 1 John 2, let's jump there and then we'll get into our key passage. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 to 6 says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. What kind of fruit are we bearing? Now, that wasn't me. That was John. That was God speaking through John. And the truth is not in that person. He takes it a step further. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Wow, that's a big standard, right? God's got a standard, and he expects us to live by it. Well, here's the problem. We can't live up to that standard. That's why we need Jesus. That's why Jesus came to die. That's why his blood covers our sins and our constant mess-ups. But when we receive him as our Savior, God says, okay, so then, that, then what happens is you receive him as Savior, then on Judgment Day, because it is coming, when you stand before God on Judgment Day and the enemy starts throwing all the accusations at you, well, did you know they did this, they did this, they did this, God, they did this, they did this, Jesus is the advocate. He steps up and said, yeah, he might have done that, but he's ours. The enemy, that's why he's so ticked off at the church. He doesn't have a chance. He blew his a long time ago. We're going to be hanging out in Luke chapter 18 this morning for just a little bit. Verse 9. We're just going to read about this thing, obedience. It says, to some who were confident in their own righteousness. Hmm, anybody ever met someone like that? Feel like they're better than everybody else? They're religious? You know, those kind of people. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. And this is Jesus talking. This is why I think, you know, Jesus is my hero. I say that over and over. Well, he really is my hero because without him, I don't have any hope for salvation. Amen? But he's also my hero because I wish I could be as witty as Jesus. When religion starts creeping in, Jesus is always right there giving the godly answer. That's what we're supposed to be striving for. 
I'm not there yet. I'm not perfect. You looked at me expecting me to be perfect this morning. You're looking the wrong way. Look to him, not me. Verse 10 says, here's what Jesus, he told this parable. I love this parable. Check this out. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. Can I, can I talk like I would think a Pharisee would talk this morning? Let's have a little bit of fun, huh? This is the religious knucklehead. This is the Pharisee. Here you go. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. Listen to his prayer. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Hmm. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers. And look what he does here. Or even this tax collector, right? Can you not see a puffed-up Pharisee dressed up in his little robe and his fancy gear talking down to people like that? Because they did it all the time. That's what Jesus came to do, set the record straight. Here he goes. Or even this tax collector. Now listen to what he says. He's going through the motions. Listen to what he says. He's going through religion. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Hmm. So he's doing all the right stuff. We got people claiming they're Christians coming to church, going through all the motions. Maybe they tithe too. Maybe they, maybe they don't only tithe. Maybe they fast twice a week. There's nothing wrong with fasting. Don't get me wrong. Fasting's a good thing. God tells you to fast. You need to fast, and you need to pray. But he's caught up in the wrong thing. Because Check out what Jesus says as he continues. But the tax collector stood at a distance he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now listen to what Jesus said in verse 14. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And all those who humble themselves will be exalted. Wow. Wow. See, that's what religion will do. Religion will take you places you don't want to go. Religion will tell you if you do all the right stuff, you follow all the right laws, you're going to be okay. But that's not what we're about. We're about relationship. We, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're not going to heaven. It's not about how good you live it's not about all the motions like the Pharisees. They were religious. They were doing all the right stuff. But if you don't have a personal relationship with God, you're not going to make it. Can we talk about humility for a second? Let's talk about So, Because so, point number one, we must humble ourselves before God. Well, let's talk about humble. Let's talk about Here's what the world will tell you what the word humble means. Look this up online. It says, having or showing a modest or low estate of one's own importance. In other words, make sure you keep yourself down. Don't get above anybody else. You stay down here. That's what you call humility, right? Can I give you a better definition of humility? And this, this actually comes from a book that I read in college by a pastor named Jeff Org, and the book's called The Character of Leadership. Here's what he had to say about humility. And I've remembered this, kept it, and kept it in my notes ever since. Here's what he said. Humility is appropriate self-appraisal Seeing yourself as God sees you. Humility is adopting God's perspective on who you are 
and what you're assigned to do. So what's humility? Obeying God. Whatever he tells you to do, that's humility. Don't let the, because see, the world would love you to feel beat up all the time. That's what they would love you to do. That way, their leaders can rise up over you and tower over you and tell you how you should do this and that and all this. But God says, the true definition of humility is if you obey me when I call you. Me surrendering to ministry 22 years ago, that was an act of humility. I was headed a different direction. You, in your life, God told you to do, maybe God told you to stop and give some money to that person on the street. That was humility if you obeyed. You got to have discernment in what's God and what's not. Well, how do I do that? Well, you got to have a relationship. Well, how do I do that? You spend time with him. Some of you in here are married. Some of you got good friends, whatever it is. You didn't trust that person automatically. It's something that had to grow over time. And what happened in that time? You were spending time together. It's the same with God. If I claim to have a relationship with my wife, but we never see each other, never spend time, never go on a date, never do anything together, there's not much of a relationship there. However, it works that same way with God. You want to get to know God. You want to know what his voice sounds like because he is speaking. And right now is prime time for hearing the voice of God move. In this world, yes, right now, where we live right now, the spirit has been moving so much. This is prime time for hearing God's voice. Let's keep reading. Luke 18, verse 15, it says, People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place in his hands or to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. Anybody ever been in a church like this? I have. The kids want to get involved. See, have you noticed we had kids taking the offering this morning? Kids need to be involved in the church. It's not about, well, we're the adults, you're the kids, you have your own separate thing going on. No, 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 no. They're the future church. So if we're, they're not being trained in the adult service, when are we going to train them? Let's keep reading. Jesus, listen to how he responds because the disciples rebuked them. No, he doesn't have time for kids. You keep those kids to your, we love kids here. Amen? My, my wife, the children's minister, one of them, and Zach, youth pastor. And uh, we, it's, we love kids, don't we? I mean, that's, I, I'm actually a substitute teacher during the week. Why do I do that? Because I love kids. You know, I had a kindergarten group this past week. They was actually the best kindergarten group I think I've ever taught. But I'm going to be real. They were listening. They were on time. They were on point. Somebody's worked with those kids. But here's what it says. you got to come as a child. That's point number two. We must come as a child. Listen to what he said in verse 16. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Listen to what he says in verse 17. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child, we'll talk about that, will never enter it. What? Yeah, if you don't come to God like a child, you're not going to make the cut. What's he mean by that? He means you trust him. Have you ever known a little child, maybe younger than ours now, when they're really little, three, two, three, whatever, they trust you. You're their parent. 
You're the one that's been taking care of them. You're the one that's been loving them all these years. So if they were up really high on a slide or something and you told them to jump, they'd do it without thinking, right? Because they just trust you. You've been protecting them this long. Why would you fail now? Same with God. We got to come as a child. When God tells us to do something, we got to be willing to follow. If we're not willing to follow, then throw it all in because Jesus said you can't come like a child and just trust me, basically. You're not going to make it. We act on trust when we receive Christ as our Savior. We have faith knowing Jesus will save us. Let's go on reading in verse 18. It says, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, we must, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, why are you calling me good? He answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You should not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. So what's point number three? We must keep his commandments. Well, wait, I thought when I received Christ, I could do what I want now because I'm good. No, it's more than fire insurance. Because here's the deal. When you actually have a personal relationship with Jesus, you're going to want to obey his laws. It does, it's, at that point, it's no longer something that you feel like you're being forced to do. God's trying to take away all my fun. He doesn't want me to do nothing. Have you ever seen George Lopez? Never knew nothing, right? Okay, well, let's keep moving. We got to be able to keep his commandments. And when you receive that relationship, you just automatically do that. If not, then we got to go back and say, hey, what really happened here? Was I just acting in emotions when I went to that altar today? Or were I really trying to get a relationship with God? All right, let's keep moving. Verse 21, it says, all these I have kept. This is the rich man talking. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, check this out. It is, it's like Brett, Pastor Brett's always saying, Holy Spirit is the best thing, best feeling, and the worst feeling all at the same time. It's the best feeling knowing you've got him now. You got him. But the worst feeling is when you start to do something you shouldn't, conviction settles in. And you know, I better not do that. And if we do it anyway, that's rebellion. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But Luke 18, 21 to 30 says, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And he said, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Watch the response. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. He had a lot of material things. We're going to do another series at some point, talk about how you're richer than you think. But the rich man had a lot of stuff. So if we don't want to use rich man and we want to put somebody else there, the materialistic people think they got to have all these possessions. Mine, mine, mine. Well, the hoarders, they're also called hoarders. Y'all know about that, right? You seen that, the show... There's a show, Hoarders, where they got their pile, houses piled. It's not just that, though. It's holding on to material possessions before you're willing to give those up for God. Check out what Jesus said. Let's start what he said again. He said, he said, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, once you do that, come follow me. 
Oh, well, that's tough right there. I've been following all the commandments. I've been going through the routines, but following you? What? What do you mean? When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Once again, that's not just talking about people with a lot of money. It's talking about people that value material things more than they value God. Let's keep watching. And then verse 26 says, those who heard this asked, well, then who can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left all we have to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. She giving me some good amens back there. Amen, sister. I got you. Just keep on talking. It's all good. Because we must be willing, last point this morning, to be all in. It is black and white. The world would love to tell you there's a lot of gray areas, but it's not. It's black and white. You're either in God's will or you're not. You're either living for God or you're not. You're either choosing to follow Jesus or you're not. It's black and white. The only one's got gray areas is the world. That's it. Because they would like to, you know, compromise or they'd like to tell you that, oh, well, it's okay. It was just a little white lie, right? Well, what's the commandment say? Thou shalt not lie. I believe that's commandment number nine, if I'm not mistaken. A little white lie is as bad as a big lie in God's eyes because you still lied. Wow. We must be willing to be all in. We need to call it like it is. I heard my pastor years ago, he was talking about the fact that it's one thing to say, Lord, God, forgive me, I don't always tell the truth like I should. And it's another to approach God and say, God, I'm a liar. Forgive me. Whoa, there's more power in that, right? But the world would love to say, oh, well, I don't always do it right, right? Forgive me, God. No, if you lied, you're a liar. Liars, what does the Bible say about liars? Liars won't enter the kingdom of God. That's why we need Jesus. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that can cover all those sins. If you've never received him as your savior, that's the most important thing. Well, how do I know that it's really a sin, pastor? James 4.17 tells us this way. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Whoa. So if I know the right thing to do, but I don't do it, that's where we get into rebellion, and then it becomes sin. Sin, after it's reached its full growth, ends in death. Game over. Done deal. However, Jesus come because he knew we couldn't live up to that expectation. He knew without his sacrifice, there was no way we're going to be living with him in heaven someday. We're celebrating that birthright with some people here today, and I'm praising the Lord for that. Baptism is a sign to everyone in the world that I have been saved. But it also gives you a right to use the family name. What is the family name? Jesus. What do you mean by that? Well, when you're born, 
and I got to hurry up and wrap up. When you're born, they give you something called a birth certificate. That birth certificate, because when you were in mama's womb, you were alive. See, this is why we see salvation. Salvation is that seed. When that seed is planted, as it grows, but do you notice when you're born, mamas will be able to relate. You got to go through the water to come out, right? What happens? Well, the water breaks, right? Moms know that. Water breaks, it's time to go. What does that do? It's a symbol isn't it amazing how God lines all this up? When you're born again, that's your seed. It's in your womb. It begins to grow. When you're baptized, just like in natural birth, you pass through the water. You have now, everyone in the room knows, example, when my daughter was born. Where is she at anyway? Oh, there she's right here in front of me. My daughter was born. We called her Jasmine. We call, I had their names picked out before they were born, long before. But we called her Jasmine. And we were calling her Jasmine. We were reading books to her in the womb. She was alive. She was a living thing. In salvation, you've been born again. Now, when the water broke, though, now is when the rest of the world and the family saw this is Jasmine Elizabeth Cruz. And it's on her birth certificate. Isn't it, God, isn't it amazing how God uses stuff like this? Jesus talks about this in John 3. For those of you who want more information, he talks about natural birth and things. And he kind of, and we explain that when I do a series talking about that. But uh, that's not for today. So we pass through the water. Now the world can acknowledge us as being part of it. So now that it's on a birth certificate, she has the right to use the family name, Cruz. She walks, she goes to school. She's on the roster as Jasmine Elizabeth Cruz. When you're baptized in water, now the rest of the world knows that one belongs to Jesus. Amen? Okay, well, there's more to that, but I, I need to stop. So uh, thank you guys so much for joining with us online, and we appreciate you joining with us online today. Um, if you've never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that is where your journey begins. It always starts there. You just simply ask. You say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart, be Lord of my life, forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray, amen. If you had prayed that prayer you meant it from the bottom of your heart, I say congratulations to you. Welcome to the family of God. Your next step is you need to be baptized. Following in Jesus' footsteps. That's another reason we get baptized, because Jesus did. He was leading by example. And so we get, so you need to be baptized. Then you need to join a church family if you don't have one. And you need to grow, go to a church where they're growing, where they're actually discipling people. If you want to come here, we're at 1225 OK Cape Road. If you want to go wherever you're at, praise God. You just need to get involved, because now it's time to start growing and becoming a disciple so that you can do what the Bible tells us to do. Go into all the world, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And what does he promise? Lo, I am with you always, 
even to the end of the age. So you're never by yourself. Jesus is always with you. Thank you so much for joining with us online. We'll see you next week.